The word love is an important part of God's equation of the gospel. And if we aren't loving, we are totally missing the gospel. I'm very flawed, okay? If you ask those who know me, they'll say I'm very opinionated, and I am, and I'm not proud of that. And here's the truth. When it comes to loving others, I can always find an excuse in my head why I shouldn't. I'll usually find a reason that makes me feel like it's less my fault and more of theirs and to justify not loving somebody like I know the gospel calls me to. I'm a horrible sinner in need of a Savior. But if you're like me and that statement rings true, know this. Confession and understanding that, being real with yourself, is the first step in authenticity. As I began to feel my failure in loving others, I also realized that the spiritual battle began. Because Satan grabbed that and he said, See, you're rotten. You're miserable. You don't do a good enough job. And I began to follow that, that lie. And so today I want you to realize we are on the battlegrounds here. If you, by the end of this message, begin to feel like, man, I am failing miserably, look at that as a victory, not a defeat, okay? And so John um, tells us a lot in this passage. We're going to be in 1 John 3, verses 11 through 24. But before we get there, I want to jump into, back to verse 2, or excuse me, chapter 2. You see, I want to remind you and I why John is writing this. You see, what's really happening in the book of John is, is you and I are kind of on the game field of life, okay? And John is on the sidelines, and he's cheering us on. He's, he's telling us what plays we should make and what decisions we should do, and he's cheering us through all these words. And we have to follow the coach. And we have to follow Jesus and all of that. But he writes here in John 2, uh, 1 John 2, chapter, um, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 14, he says, I write to you fathers. This is why he's writing this letter. I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. Just like the song we just sang. God is outside of time. He's so much bigger than this. He is from the beginning. And it's because of his love he started something for us. And he goes on to say, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. You see, John's reminding us that this message, this book is going to challenge us, but it won't defeat us. If we follow hard after Christ through all of this, we will have victory. But he goes on to say, and I want you to hear this, Verse 15, do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God lasts forever. I don't know if you've seen the video on Facebook, it's circulated, but great speaker, Francis Chan, uh, it's, a, it's a message that he uh, had 
Oh, golly, a couple years ago. But there's a clip, and he, Francis Chan stretches out this rope across the stage. It's long, 25, 30 feet. And he said, this is your life. This is, this is God's existence here. And he said, but this is your life. This is a little mark on this rope is you. That's your entire existence on earth. And he said, why are we spending all this time loving the world, loving the things of this world when it won't last and we have eternity to worry about? Why not invest more in your eternity than in the present world because God says this world will pass away? The challenge as being an authentic Christian, you guys, is are you investing in your eternity or are you investing in the world that you live in? I pray that as we pursue Christ, we have an eternal perspective and not a perspective of the things around us. Love one another. That's what we're talking about today. It's a, it's a phrase that's so easy to say, right? Love one another. It's a phrase that's, again, so easy to say, but if we're honest with ourselves, it's very hard to do. And it's funny how many times that we've read that verse or verses like that through Scripture and we've agreed with others and we've said that, yeah, that's an important thing that we should do, but it becomes the ultimate challenge that sometimes we just give up on. The study of First John has been challenging for me because I would rather live a life wrestling with knowing what Christ expects of me and fighting to achieve that than being complacent and just watching life go by without meaning. To be an authentic Christian, you and I need to get real with ourselves and no longer look at the checklist of things to do. Rather, we should be heeding the knowledge of Scripture and begin to do what it says. John's going to say that here in the passage we go over. And as much as I have read the Bible over and over again in my years, you guys, there is nothing in Scripture that tells me I can do it my way. There is no verse that says, Ryan, I tell you what, this is a gray area, so you decide what's best for you and you go with it. In fact, more and more, as I read Scripture, I realize I have two choices. The first, follow and do what God tells me to do. The second, don't. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? So hard to do. So today, he's telling us to love one another. Does that make anybody cringe? Absolutely. I wish things were simpler, but in order to be an effective body of Christ, we must obey his commands. There's no other choice. And we have to fight sometimes ourselves to make it happen. For some of you, a fight might be simple, but for others like me, it's a long, drawn-out brawl. Whatever the case, it's a battle that we have to engage with. Do you and we desire to be authentic? I hope so. Or are we content to go through the motions, affect nobody in our family and community, and explain to the face of God the Father why we decided that we wanted to do it our way someday? You guys, that moment haunts my head. Because I don't think I can stand in front of God and say, hey God, you don't understand. You see, they just were really mean to me. And you know what? Other people didn't like them too. And I wasn't exactly mean to them. I just didn't love them. 
I don't think God's going to look at me and say, you know what, Ryan, I get it. That makes sense. I don't think that excuse will fly with him. So what would you say to God right now? When it comes to loving others, what excuse would you give that you think would be valid? I'm not sure I can come up with one. I want to impress upon you the seriousness of the situation that the church is in right now when it comes to being authentic in the way we live. In an article written by a Christian author, Todd Wilson, it was published on John Piper's Desiring God website. I visit it every once in a while. Uh, Todd says this, listen to this. He said, perhaps the greatest threat to the church's witness is one of our own making. It's an image problem. Many outside the church view Christians as unchristian in their attitudes and actions. They see Christians as bigoted, homophobic, homophobic, hypocritical, materialistic, judgmental, self-serving, and sometimes overly political. The evangelical church's image problem doesn't bode well for its future. In fact, the data suggests that evangelical Christianity is declining in North America. Despite the church's best efforts to appeal to the disillusions, the one who don't know Jesus, we continue to see alarming trends. Droves of people, you guys, not one or two, but droves of people, especially from younger generations, are leaving the church and don't plan to return. This has driven some to even predict the end of evangelism. Now listen to this last paragraph. The reasons for this discouraging state of affairs are complex. They're not cookie cutter. But we know one thing is for certain. When Christians are confused about what it means to be real and authentic, the spiritual decline of the church will follow. You guys, I think that's our biggest problem right now. We like to go through the motions as Christians But when it comes to truly being authentic, we struggle. And some of us don't know how to begin. So you and I are called to love this morning. The scriptures say so. It's not a choice. It's a commandment. And a commandment that might very well go against our sinful flesh. But nonetheless, there's not an out for you and I right here. If you call yourself a Christ follower, then you must love as Jesus did. Remember what Jesus, uh, when Jesus was asked in Matthew 22, verse 36, the, the gentleman says, Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second to this is you shall what? Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. You guys, here's the thing. If loving your neighbor as yourself is only second, is right up there to loving God with all your heart, don't you think we should be paying attention to that? That's not like number four, five, or six on the list. That's number two. Right behind giving God all that you have. And yet we justify why we shouldn't love somebody as if we have the right 
So I'm sorry it's taken me uh, so long, but I want to set that. If you'd open up your Bibles, 1 John 3, um, verse 11, I want to read the passage that we're going to start pulling apart here um, because John packs a lot in here for us, and I don't want to miss anything. So in verse 11, read along with me. It says, For this is a message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has a world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are of truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if your heart does not, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, And love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit he has given us. Now let's begin to pull this apart. Verse 11 says, For this message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. As I said earlier, you guys, this message is not old. Love has been there from the beginning, from the time that God spoke the cosmos into existence, from the time that he created earth and created the Garden of Eden, and he put two people on there that he dearly loved. Love was a part of the equation. And we saw in Genesis, God walk with Adam and Eve and talk. He cared for them. He took care of all their needs. He loved them. Without that, it wouldn't have started. And Jesus told his followers again in in John 13 and John 15 that we should be an example, uh, we should love one another as an example of a disciple of Christ. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for a friend, Scripture says. Love is an important part of the gospel. And it's the foremost reason for what Jesus did on the cross. You see, the point, you guys, is we won't understand the gospel nor anybody else unless we learn to love. That small four-letter word carries a lot of weight. And I think we use that too loosely in our culture. Verse 12 says, We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Again, John's bringing us back to the beginning and we see Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. And by then, Adam and Eve had sinned, so they had to toil 
and work the ground. And, and God called Cain and Abel to bring their best to him in sacrifice. And so the boys did that. They brought their best. And again, from the outside perspective, you guys, people looked at it and said, boy, they're doing the right thing. But they couldn't hide their hearts from God. God looked down, and even though man was saying that's good, God was saying, no, it's not. Abel, absolutely, your heart's sincere. And he accepted Abel's offering. But then he looked at Cain, and he looked into Cain's heart, and he knew what Cain had given was not his best. And so God rejected that. And then you saw Cain's heart open up. You saw the evil that came out in the, in the action of murdering his brother. It wasn't love. But I'm sure Cain acted the part. The truth is, you guys, you and I do a good job of telling ourselves we love each other or justifying why we can't love others. But can you hide your heart from God? Because I guarantee He can see right through your lies. Mine too. You either are authentic in your love or you're not. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. You can't ride the line on this one. Verse 13 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. You see, John is pointing out the obvious condition of the culture back then, but doesn't it ring true to the culture now, too? Christians aren't always well-received by the people around us. And I read you that article But here's why. I truly believe it's the absence of authentic love. If we could learn to inject that into everything that we do and everything that our culture sees, what a drastic difference it would make. But again, we struggle to do that. So people of this world don't understand what it means to truly love as Christ calls us to. And their natural response is to hate because they don't know what else to do. Loving people who don't like you, that's a sacrifice, that's a cost. We've seen the martyrs through Christian history take a stand because their love for Jesus. And sometimes they pay the ultimate price. You see, authenticity and love will carry a cost for you and I. There's no doubt about it. But again, it's not an option. Verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And this is harsh. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You see, John is confirming again the gospel message. And it's because somebody shared their love with, for us by sharing the gospel message with you and I. And because of that, we can have a relationship with Jesus but let's think back to the ultimate sacrifice. You see, Jesus bled and died because of his love for us, just as the song sang earlier. He didn't have to go through that. 
But Jesus knew that if he didn't, we didn't have a chance. And so out of his love and compassion, he made the ultimate sacrifice. You guys, whenever I read scripture, I want to be in the presence of the scene and think back to that day where Jesus is arrested for something he didn't do. He was drugged out of the garden and he was probably beaten and bruised. He was drugged through the streets, bleeding. And at any time, he probably could have said, that's enough, I'm done. But he didn't. What nailed him to that cross was his love for us. Do you and I have that kind of love for one another? Or for those who don't know Jesus? It's because of that love that you and I are made righteous in front of God. But he's also stating the hard truth there, and he uses some harsh comparison that if we don't understand love, we're like a murderer. One of the greatest crimes in our culture is to murder. And God says, look, if you don't love, you're equal to that. That struck my heart. I would never think of doing that, but God says, look, you are. John 13, 35 says, by, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. <laughs> I desire to be a disciple for Christ. I want others to see Jesus' love through me, but the only way I can do that is if I begin to understand how great God loved me. And you guys, once we achieve that, once we begin to understand that, I think it begins to naturally flow. We can overlook the, the, the faults and failures of others against us and still love them. The point is, as, as authentic believers in Christ, we need to love no matter what the case may be. It's got to be a sacrificial love. Verse 16 says this, By this we know, love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You see, John is giving us a measuring tool right here. He's telling us that's how deep our love should be. That you would desire to lay your life down for your brothers or even the ones who are unbelieving. Extreme? Absolutely. I'm standing here saying, when it comes to my family, I would gladly lay down my life. My wife, my children, my, my parents, my in-laws, you see, there's a depth of love that I've been given and received in that relationship, and I, and I would do anything for that. My life would be nothing. I would give it freely. But as I look out in the crowd, I can't honestly say, and I apologize, that I would do that for everybody else in this congregation. Is that not right? It's not. Should I be able to look out here and say, absolutely, I would die for every one of you? I should. But I'm being honest with myself. Loving is hard. We're called to an extreme love. To give nothing less than Jesus gave for us. 
And that's the challenge in this passage. Verse 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little, little children, let not love, let's not love in work, excuse me, let's not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. By this we shall know that we are in truth and reassure our heart before him. That message is repeating in Scripture that we should give where people need. Are you and I truly willing to do that out of our love for one another? Let's put it in perspective. Say somebody in this congregation needs a life-saving surgery. If they don't have this surgery, they'll die. But yet they have many more years to go. They have children. They have memories to make. Their life should not end this soon. But the, but the hiccup is, you guys, that that surgery costs way more than they can pay for. But yet there's somebody else in our congregation that has a retirement account that they are almost ready to use. And it would be more than enough to cover the surgery and allow this person to live a long life making memories from their family. Would somebody give that worldly thing to them? That'd be a hard decision because no doubt that person has worked many years to earn the right to retire, to earn the right to live and and just do what they want to do. And if they gave that money to that person, that would mean maybe they would still have to work. But what does Scripture call us to? Is that an excuse? You can't take the money with you, can you? Again, John's calling us to the floor with this verse. And we have a choice if we're going to be authentic or not. Sometimes love is sacrificial. Love means giving up something that you truly desire. It's tough. But again, we look at the cross. What did Jesus do? Love without action is dead. It's nothing. And just as John says right there, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. That is one of the challenges of today. You see, I think I sit in these four walls too often hearing Joey, hearing Matt and whoever else preach saying, that's good. Absolutely, that's a good point. That's scriptural. That's truth. And yet I walk out the door and I'm unaffected by it. Is that authentic? John's saying, stop talking, start doing Cornerstone Church, one of its main goals is to reach the community, to reach the next generation, right? The generation, then that author said, is walking away from the church. When are we as a church body going to stop talking within these walls and start talking outside the walls? When are we going to actually stand up and take the steps to affect those who don't know Jesus, to love on them like we should? You guys, I'm standing here saying, don't follow my example. 
but I have to change. I'm called to it. Verse 20, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. You see, the reality is if we're authentic, we're not perfect. And there will be times and moments as you pursue authentic love in Christ that you will fail and your heart will make you feel it. But if God sees the true intentions of your heart, you don't have to worry about that because God is bigger than this. He is gracious and forgiving. And even better, if our heart is not condemning us, then we know that we are aligned with Christ. We are doing what God calls us to do. And we can pray and ask him for things. And because we are aligned with him and he desires the same thing, he will give us that. I pray that I'm an authentic man in God who is praying for what God desires to and who is doing what God desires me to. Verse 23 says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. What a promise. God in us. It seems tough. But if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Another promise of Scripture. And by this we know he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. You see, God knows that it's hard as an authentic Christian. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to help guide and teach and convict. You guys, may that be the challenge today. So where does this all leave you and I? It's a good question. The reality is, I, have, I think we have some thinking to do. You and I have to have a little sincere one-on-one with ourselves and be honest with our thoughts and our messed up reasoning. To love one another is so much more than words. God is calling us to something bigger than just a verbal phrase, okay? God is calling you and I to the action of love in a world that seems to be hating more and more. The world is full of wickedness and it's going to be harder and harder to seek truth in all of it. The world in our culture preaches love one another. You hear it all over the place. Treat each other with kindness. Be considerate to others and so on. And yet we turn on the news and what do you see? A country divided. The very people who are preaching about being accepting and loving and bringing, uh, and bringing kindness to each other are the very ones that are bringing up the accusations. And then they're blaming others and then they're refusing to make amends. You guys, it's not politics. It's not Democrat, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, Christians, non-Christians. It's all of us. We're all guilty. We preach love and we do just the opposite. And here's the truth. It's not going to get any better. So if it's so hard 
maybe we should just give up, right? Is that an option? It is. But then you're not being authentic in Christ. And if you do give up, you're going down a dangerous road of separation from Christ. So I think you and I have to have a wake-up moment every morning where when our feet hit the floor, we realize that life isn't just easy. It's a spiritual battle. The reality is Satan's going to throw everything that he has at you and I to get us off track. And we need to be praying fervently that God guides us, that we obey that we listen to the Holy Spirit in every decision that we make. And most of all, we love one another. There is nothing greater than that behind loving God. In closing, I want to share a story with you. I, I have a very dear friend. His name is Oscar Dorman. Oscar lives in Dayton. Maybe some of you around Dayton know Oscar but I met Oscar over 12 years ago, and, and we've been friends ever since. And, and a couple weeks ago was my birthday, and, and I walked into the office, and Oscar was in my office, and he said, hey, somebody told me it was your birthday today. I wanted to be here to wish you a happy birthday. Just picture the, the cuddliest grandpa that's always wearing a smile. That's Oscar. And so when Oscar visits, usually him and I sit down with a cup of coffee and we talk about his family. We talk about all the things that he's done in his life. We talk about his wife. Uh, Sadly, she passed away, but how much he misses her and all good times that they had. And that morning, Oscar and I were visiting. He said, hey, I got a story for you. You're not going to believe this. He said, last week I went up to Des Moines to America's Best Eyeglasses. He said, by the way, Ryan, they should be in trouble. They advertised two pairs of glasses for $75, but that's just the frames. When you get the lenses, it's a lot more than that. He wasn't happy. But Oscar is authentic. And here's the example. He said, when I was at America's Best, I went into the eye examination room and this little lady started talking to me and, and working on my eyes and I'm sure she was asking him, you know, was number one or number two better? You guys have probably been through that before. And Oscar says, do you know Jesus? I'm sure she was surprised. But Oscar kept loving on her and through a, a conversation that happened in that examination room, he said, with tears in her eyes, I got to pray with her to ask Jesus for her salvation. And he said, honey, I love you, but you've got to get plugged into a church that preaches the word and is going to encourage you because I'm not going to be around forever and you need that. And she made a promise that she would. But you see, God wasn't done yet with Oscar that morning. He said he walked out into the lobby and he heard two voices. He said, Ryan, they sounded like angels. That was his words. And he looked over and there was two ladies at the reception desk. And he said, he walked over there and he said, do you guys know you have voices just like angels? And that began a conversation in which Oscar asked them, do you know Jesus? And within a matter of minutes, again, these two ladies were crying as Oscar put his hands over the counter and prayed with them for their salvation. You see, I know those three ladies did not wake up that morning 
knowing that they were going to meet an 89-year-old little loving man with a smile on his face that was going to eternally impact their lives. You see, Oscar knows that his life is short. But he's told me more than once, Ryan, I'm not dead yet. God still got me doing work. I want to be Oscar. I want to be the man that walks around and sees people and loves them before I even know them. No matter what they look like. And I want to have a heart that's authentic like Oscar that wants other people to know Jesus. We need to live like that, guys. It's not an option. It's a commandment. And so today, as you guys leave, I want you to be challenged by that. Maybe take a moment by yourself and just measure yourself and see how you're doing. And if you're not happy with what's going on, remember, that's the first step in being authentic. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful even even how hard it sometimes um, is to read and to obey. God, as we talk about authentic Christianity and love, it's a topic that doesn't always sit well with us. And and God, I pray that we we would be stirred this morning to, to leave this church and follow hard after you. I pray that things would get weird in life because we know you're worth it. Help us to love those who are easy to love and and help us to love all the more those who are hard to love.